Good morning, Big Ten fans. Welcome back to another edition of the Big Ten Morning Minutes. I'm your host, Mike Chen. Follow me on Twitter at MikeFChen. Follow the show site over there as well at Big Ten MM. It is Friday, July 31st, 2020, and a very interesting day inside the Big Ten yesterday because, well, Iowa finally got a chance to meet the media after the report that came out due to their investigation about the players' accusations about Kirk Ferentz, uh, Brian Ferentz, everybody in the organization. And I'll tell you what, uh, Gary Barta and Kirk Ferentz, uh, it, it doesn't seem like they're really concerned about this, which is concerning to me. Uh, I feel as if when you're looking at what happened, uh, especially when you look at Chris Doyle, the former strength coach of the Hawkeyes, and how long Doyle has been there. Doyle and Ferentz have been there together pretty much the whole time, 21 years. And when you're looking at institutional, it's a culture. It's not just a one-off. It just didn't happen once. Over 60 players came out and said, hey, look, when you go to Iowa, you have to abide by what I was looking for and you can't be yourself and you don't feel like you're in your own skin you have to uh, be compared to you know a, a white player that's that's what their expectations are and to me that's concerning to me I thought that something had to be done uh, no ramifications here absolutely nothing uh, Barta and Ferentz came out they talked uh, they said that they are not going to change anything with the staffing Doyle is obviously the one that moved on but look to me if I'm a black American player who's looking at going to a school and Iowa's recruiting me I'm telling them thanks but no thanks I'm moving on I would not have any interest in playing for Kirk Ferentz Brian Ferentz and Iowa no pass I'm moving on because if there's no ramifications, there's no cause for concern, nothing. And coming from Gary Barta, an AD that I do respect. I think Gary Barta is one of the better athletic directors in the country. But it's really concerning when they do their internal investigation. comes out that this is true. This is a systematic problem that they have with the Iowa program. And they're not doing anything about it. They fired one guy. It doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense. I understand Kirk Ferentz is the face of the Iowa program. Well, you know what? Coaches have been fired for less. Look at Ohio State and Jim Trussell. Jim Trussell got fired for his players doing a cash for tattoo scheme uh, with you know their championship rings, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. That's nothing. Jim Trussell got fired for that. Yeah, he did lie about it. He covered up the players. But we're talking about twenty over 20 years with Kirk Ferentz covering up the fact that there is inequality inside his program. That's ridiculous for no ramifications. This obviously is something that we're going to have to continue to monitor continue to watch we'll see if current players continue to see what the former players did we'll see if there's a change 
there has to be a change. There needs to be a change. And if there's not a change, there will be a change soon if this kind of crap continues inside the Iowa program. So that's a little bit concerning to me. Uh, something else that's concerning to me is a tweet by Pat Forty from yesterday. The Yahoo Sports College Football Insider came out and said that the Big Ten might still not play this fall. Really shocking. This is something that I didn't expect to see yesterday. As the momentum towards the college football season has actually started, uh, there are programs that will, you know, come together later on, early next week, and they're going to start preseason camp. But the Big Ten, uh, unlike the SEC, the SEC announced their plans for their 2020 season. The SEC, similar to the Big Ten, going to 10 conference games only, no out-of-conference games. Uh, I, I think this is, you know, you're going to see other teams follow suit. Although, you know, the ACC right now, I'm sorry, other conferences, the ACC right now, they decided that they're going to do a 10 conference game plus one, which I think is a nice gesture to the smaller schools, but a lot of these smaller schools have decided that they're not even going to play football in the fall. And I understand that it's a money issue with a lot of these smaller schools. A lot of them get big-time payouts to go and face these schools, and they know they're going to take L's. They know that. But, you know, the, the million dollars are close to or right around there, whatever, usually it's around a million dollars. That money is vastly important for smaller school athletic departments. And so I get it. I understand what the ACC is doing. But in all honesty, this year, I think it's limiting travel, limiting player interaction. I think that just makes the most sense. So it'll be interesting to see now that the SEC has made that announcement that they are going to just a conference game schedule. Uh, we'll see if the ACC backtracks and follows and does that. But uh, we're still waiting on one conference, that is the Big 12. They still haven't made a decision. Uh, as we just talked about, the SEC going to 10 games, the ACC 10 plus 1. Obviously, the Big 10 is just 10 games, and the Pac-12 also just a conference schedule. So, you know, the Big 12, uh, I think they're going to follow suit. Uh, you know, it just doesn't make sense for them to do what the ACC is doing. I, I think that the ACC is going to have to revisit their plus one i do but uh, right now it's interesting uh, but back to pat forty's report uh, the schedules to be determined um, it is very fluid it's a fluid situation with the big 10 uh, their decision he says is going to come within the next five days so at latest we're going to see that on wednesday so hopefully we know shortly uh, what the Big Ten is planning on doing, but what's concerning right now is that his report says that the league still might not play in the fall, but everybody else is. So what the hell happens? That is, oof, I have no idea. I have no idea. And then on top of that, uh, a couple members of the College Football Playoff Committee came out and said that they're going to decide things differently this year with non-conference games pretty much being scratched, the SEC uh, making that decision, uh, they came out and said yesterday, you know what, we're going to have to look at different criteria. It's going to be different. Uh, obviously, the big thing with the ACC's announcement was that Notre Dame is included in the ACC. They are eligible for an ACC championship this year, which they have never been before. Obviously, the Fighting Irish are 
independent ex- and you know except for uh, football football is the only independence that Notre Dame has the rest of their affiliation is pretty much with the ACC aside from hockey and this is interesting it really is uh, you know it's been about 126 years of college football and Notre Dame has continued their independence well that streak ends this year it'll be interesting so that's something that the college football playoff will decide because previously it looked like Notre Dame the only way they could make it into the college football playoff was to go undefeated now they could take a loss say to Clemson and face the Clemson again in the ACC championship avenge that loss and I think they'd make it in over Clemson I think they do uh, with a bid uh, and then I, I do, in that situation, you'd actually have probably look at it like this. You'd probably think, well, if Clemson has one loss and Notre Dame has one loss and they split between each other, the one team is might be left out, but there's a 100% possibility that the ACC could see two teams into the college football playoff. But that's a conversation that we can have later. That's not even of fruition right now. But uh, it's still very interesting. Uh, lots of... Lots of movement still going on. This is not over. There's going to be other things that happen uh, between now and the beginning of the season, but uh, I'll keep you updated on everything that I see and everything that uh, I I notice uh, going on forward. All right, let's get to uh, one recruiting note, and that's Lovey Smith and getting back to his transfer ways. Yesterday, uh, we saw USC tight end Daniel Amorabahebe join his brother Josh uh, again. A family affair there. Uh, and this time, it's going to be preseason All-American FCS defensive tackle Roderick Perry. Perry, uh, 6'2", 300 pounds, uh, decided that after the MEAC was going to play in the spring, that he was going to enter the transfer portal. And Lovey Smith said, hey, I need some help with defensive tackle. Why don't you come on over? We love transfers over here at the University of Illinois. Why don't you come? So, Perry's going to be eligible immediately. He'll have one year. He's going to be looked at as a graduate transfer, so he'll have one year to play for the Fighting Illini and then move on to the next level. And, you know, anytime you get an FCS preseason All-American, it's not bad. Um, LSU picked up uh, a linebacker, and his name is eluding me right now, from the FCS level, uh, who was also a preseason All-American. So um, let's be real here. The football that is played at a level down, it's still pretty high-level football, and what remains to be seen is how that translates over. It doesn't always translate over, and you know you even see like guys from the MAC. MAC, you know that's MAC D1 football. It's not FCS. It's not one double A as we used to call it. So it'll be interesting to see how Perry turns around and plays for the Fighting Illini this year, because uh, you know the the jump sometimes is difficult for some players, especially this late in the game. Although we will get all of, you know, the preseason practices in, it, it might be a, a little bit interesting to see how things go for Perry. But again, a good addition uh, when you get an FCS All-American, a preseason All-American, that's it's still a nice addition to your college football team. All right, one other note before I say goodbye to you for the week, and that is the Manning Award watch list. There were four Big Ten quarterbacks that ultimately ended up on this list. You've got Justin Fields from Ohio State, Tanner Morgan, Minnesota's Sean Clifford, Penn State, and Jack Cohen of Wisconsin. 
of those four who I think has the best shot at winning this award, got to be Justin Fields. Uh, Tanner Morgan is a dark horse. Uh, if he continues his ascension from last year to this year, I think that he's got a decent shot at you know, potentially not winning these awards because, look, the, the Manning Award watch list, there's three quarterbacks on there that are looked at as first-round picks. You've got Justin Fields, you've got Trevor Lawrence, and then Trey Lance of North Dakota State. Those three guys are looked at as, well, the, the top three guys in this upcoming NFL draft, and those are the three guys that I think that probably have the best chance of winning this award. The neat part about the Manning Award is that it's one of the only awards, or I, I think it might be the only award, that is award, that is given out after the bowl game. So it's not just everything that leads up into the December-January games. It's the whole shebang. So I like that. I think it's smart uh, because, you know, sometimes you know, when you look at the Heisman vote, you know, you give the Heisman out to a player, and that player goes out to a bowl game and, craps the bed and doesn't really play very well so uh, interesting to see uh, that the Manning Award this is how they go about it but uh, I like it I think it's smart I would love to see other awards change the way they did it as well and have the postseason awards given out after the ball games because you know it's it's a culmination of everything it's not just you know your regular season games which I, I to me in football because it's different because of the bowl system you know, when you're looking at other sports, yeah, I think that, you know, when you go through, you know, say college basketball and they give out the Naismith and they give it out, you know, a couple weeks into the tournament, that makes sense because then you, you see those guys and they go through everything. So uh, not quite everything, but, you know, they go through enough where that you see whether or not they're, you know, good enough against the high-level competition. So I like what the Manning Award watch list does or well not the watch list but the manning award how they handle it at the end of the season and that's going to do it for me this morning on your big 10 morning minutes i appreciate the listen go ahead and give me a follow on twitter at mike f chen follow the show site as well over there at big 10 mm radius reviews and share us on all of your listening platforms have a great weekend big 10 fans i will talk to you on monday morning